do you have New Year's resolutions? No, not really. More just like goals for beating. For beating people? No, for doing beating. Oh, with a D. Yeah. Do you have resolutions? No, I don't really do resolutions so much because, mm-hmm. you know, um, time is but a construct. Is it a flat circle? I, I think so. Oh, okay. But what I do like to say is New Year noodles. <laughs> That's my resolution is to eat noodles. You did post that on Instagram and I got I reposted it because you tagged me in it and I got a lot of traction on that one. That's my resolution every year though. And you know what? It's one I can fulfill. I've been doing it every year. I've been eating lots of noodles. You've had two noodles already and it's only like the 4th of January. Exactly. I'm going to have more. Yeah. I'm, I'm having more tomorrow. Good. Well, let's start off our first episode of 2023. Welcome everyone to another episode of I Love This, You Should Too. My name is Indy Noodles Randawa. That used to be my actual nickname. Really? Yeah. Oh, and with me (laughs) is my lovely co-host, Samantha, the New Year's baby Randawa. I'm not a New Year's baby. (laughs) You're, You're like a baby. Yeah, I guess. And it's New Year's. And it's New Year's, yeah. So. And we are members of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is locally grown and community supported. So we are back to our regular stuff now. So today we will each have a spoiler-free thing of the week, something Mm -hmm. we've been into lately. And Samantha will let us know what we are watching for next week's big watch, because I cut it out of last week when you told us. Oh, right. Yes. Sorry. (laughs) You like to be three weeks ahead. Always. So before we get started, let's thank our first sponsor, and that is Park Power. In Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. Park Power has low overhead, which in turn allows them to offer low competitive rates. Reach out for a no-obligations comparison by emailing estimates at parkpower.ca. If you decide to switch, it's easy. It's really just a change to your billing, and you can feel good knowing that you are helping to give back to our communities with your utility bills. To learn more, go to parkpower.ca. All right, Sam, do you want to start us off with the first thing of the week of the year? I do. So this thing of the week is old um and uh i started watching it because when i'm beating i can't watch anything with like subtitles or that i have to like really pay attention to so i got some of this and um i'm excited to say that my thing of the week is dance moms (laughs) so just moms who watch dance no it's a tv show uh it was on lifetime um and it started in 2011 um and it follows the training and careers of children in dance and show business under the tutelage of abby lee miller who is the head of abby lee dance company and it also follows the relationships between abby lee the dancers and then their crazy moms um, so these moms, like there's like shouting matches, there's like, like some physical altercations and, um, these poor kids are like subjected to all of this as well as being on a reality television show. 
So would you describe this as uh, garbage TV? Yes, this is 100% garbage Trash TV. Trash TV, maybe. Yeah. Um, I find it interesting because I was a dance kid and I told my mom I was watching this and she's like, I'm not like any of the moms. <laughs> I was like, no, you are not like no, any of I the moms. No, I can't see your mom being anything like them. Um, she was a dance mom for many, many years, uh, but never uh, got into any physical altercations. And, uh, that you know about. That I know about. And uh, she doesn't yell at anybody. So I, uh, I lucked out in the dance mom department. So what is appealing about this show? Um, you get to see some really talented children. Uh, the dancers in this are doing brand new choreography every single week and also traveling to competitions like across the U.S. So they're like put through a lot of really stressful situations and they tend to do really, really well just because they're such great dancers. And I assume then these children are celebrated for their achievements, right? No. No, they're just pushed aside for drama. Yes. Abby Lee is not your like cozy, caring, kind dance teacher. She's she's someone who like yells a lot and doesn't like she kind of pits the kids against one another. Um, she like guilt trips people. Um, she organizes them into a, peri- a pyramid every week based on like who did the best and who's the worst. Um, and then the moms often get involved in some of this uh, like drama because they obviously don't want to see their kids being like picked on and put down like that. But they also kind of really do want to see that because oh, yeah. they really lean into it. They do. So I've seen a few episodes of this show with you and it's tough for me to see the appeal because what mm-hmm. I see is um a bunch of bad people being bad mm-hmm. to one another, but there are no uh, lessons or comeuppance It's just, yeah, they're terrible and everyone really likes that about them. And if anything, being terrible will get you your own TV show. And then when we do have these talented children doing things, their actual work is glossed over very quickly Mm -hmm. in place for what looks like oftentimes a lot of staged, like scripted drama. Yeah, I could see this being pretty scripted. Um, I don't know a lot about the production, but I assume that, yeah, they're like sending the kids in and saying like, say this or do this or... Or not even the kids, because from what I've seen, the kids don't talk much. It's usually adults talking about each other. They don't even really talk about the children and the ones I've seen all that much. It tends to be about their own personal drama of, uh, well, this person actually just existed and they weren't here before so let's get them (laughs) and they're out to get us and it's uh what would make someone watch this how would you sell someone on uh on dance moms i think if you like this kind of reality television um and then also maybe if you were a dancer you might appreciate it um and (laughs) I don't know. It's like I said, it's one that I'm not like watching, like critiquing and looking at really like with a pointed lens, but I'm uh, definitely enjoying kind of listening to it and watching it kind of in the background. It's yeah, it's just like trashy and fun and light and you, it's not like something I take super seriously. So dance moms. So Indy, what's your thing of the week? I think we have a very eclectic group of things today because 
There's Dance Moms, I'm gonna talk about a long-running Japanese manga, and I know the movie we're gonna do as well, so we're very uh, All over the varied place. today. <laughs> so my thing of the week is Attack on Titan, which is a Japanese manga, which is like a comic book series, which was written and illustrated by Hajime Isayama. And it started in September of 2009 and concluded in 2021. And the English translations, which I was reading, come out about a year after that. So I finally just wrapped up the series not too long ago. So this series is uh, like a worldwide phenomenon in a lot of ways. It's way bigger than I even realized. It had a bunch of manga spin-off series a bunch of one-off graphic novels, a whole set of just regular novels, an anime show which is wildly popular, a bunch of video games, a live-action movie, and maybe by the time this comes out, a musical will have debuted. A musical? Yeah. Who's making this musical? I I don't know their names, okay, but... No, but I, I mean, like, is it in the US? Is it, it is in Japan. Okay. Yeah. And the manga, which I'm going to be talking about, has sold over 110 million issues. So it is a a very big thing. There are 34 books to it. Or if you were reading it in their like smaller serialized version, it's 139 comic-sized books. That's a big undertaking. It is, yes. And um, so I just finished. I started... Quite a few years ago, because one of my friends who is Japanese sent me a uh, Christmas card, and it were these characters from this show, but they were all wearing Santa hats. And she was like, hey, do you know about this show or um, comic? Because it's a very big thing, but I had no idea. And I read one or two, and I got into it, and not knowing how big of an undertaking it was, but I finally came out the other side now. (laughs) Yeah, you've been reading this like the entire time we've been together. Yeah, and it's gone on for much longer than that as well and only today i became aware of like the fandom around this because i consume most of my media like in a vacuum i don't uh, Mm -hmm. read other people's opinions about it i just like yeah like to read and watch what i like to watch and uh i don't think i was ready for it no i don't i don't care for it now is it awful well i think i think most things are it's (laughs) Not even that is especially awful, but I, I do kind of think it is. It's if you were consuming something without knowing all the stuff around it, it's a lot that I wasn't ready for. Like if you love Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. If you had only ever listened to her music and didn't know anything about anyone in her personal life or all of the <laughs> videos and all of that, it's it's very different. It's right? overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much to it and all of the conversation about it. And I don't care for a lot of that. But so if you were a huge Attack on Titan fan, I might be coming at this from a very different point of view than you are. But if you're a fan of this podcast, you know how I talk about things. So Mm -hmm. here's my pitch on uh, Attack on Titan. The story at the beginning, at least, centers on a civilization of, of humans. And as far as we know, all of the world exists within these walls and there's three concentric circular walls okay and the richest people are in the inside and you get a little poorer as you go out and outside the last wall there's giants like literal giants titans they call them monstrous giants that are mindless and kind of deformed but Mm human-ish and they eat people oh so you can't leave the city 
Yeah. You can't, that, that's your world. That um, is the world. And everything takes place within there. Right. And it's been about a hundred years since the anyone broke through one of the walls. Mm. So it's been, I guess, peaceful, but you are living in this contained world. And it's, a, it's an epic series in its length and its scope. So the original direction that I just kind of talked about there can't be sustainable forever. So there is a bit of a shift and we get to learn some new things. And of course, I'm not going to spoil anything in case you do want to go on this giant <laughs> undertaking. But it's kind of like, maybe I'll spoil Planet of the Apes instead, because that's much older. Mm. Like, if you find the Statue of Liberty about halfway through the movie, and then you get to go on from there with that knowledge, mm -hmm. it changes things a lot. Rather than having the twist at the end... There are a series of big reveals and universe expansion within the series. Mm. And I'm not even going to get into all of that because I think people talk about this always about plot and twists and reveals. Mm -hmm. And like with movies, that's not what interests me as much. Because I think the most interesting stuff are the, the themes about it. And that's what I can pitch. Because early on, you could say that is about the aspirational nature of youth, about wanting to make the world a better place, but then that eventually shifting into ideas of disillusionment and history repeating itself. There's lots of ideas of the demonization of a certain ethnic group. And because this series goes on for so long, we can see it becoming normalized, even to us, the reader. And then we're like, yeah, that's how it is now. And you realize, like, no, why, why would I believe such a thing? <laughs> and it shows you how insidious things like that can be. There are soldiers who live with the regrets of what they've done, but they're not portrayed as evil. They were just helping their side. And even now that they are full of regrets, they don't see an alternative to what they could have done. And it talks about the nature of war. Mm. It touches on the idea of cycles of violence. And the more the series goes on, the less you can blame those like literal monsters, the titans outside there. Mm -hmm. And you realize who the real monsters really are. And who are the real monsters always? The rich. Oh, well, yeah, actually. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. I was just going to say people, but oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. People. But yeah, actually, that's uh, yeah, pretty true in this as well. <laughs> and there is a lot about the oppression of minorities and these groups looking for freedom and they're willing to sacrifice anything for that freedom and whether this freedom when achieved is just an illusion itself. And there is a main character who is someone who becomes radicalized because of the oppression they face and all the tragedy they see. And then they kind of become the monster that they had at one point hated. And the oppressive side realizes that they have created the weapon of their own demise. It's, oh. a, it's an Osama bin Laden situation. Whoa. Right? CIA trains him and then he mm -hmm. comes in and is like, oh, well, thanks for all the training. My world now. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. <laughs> So that's my pitch on the themes of it. If you read anything about this, unfortunately, it gets swallowed up by a lot of other things because the fandom is is weird and is angry. There's a bunch of alt-right people who really like this. Oh. And I'm like, are you reading the same thing? Because I guess you can watch Schindler's List and be like, yeah, go Nazis. Oh. But you're kind of missing the point. Yeah, I was going to say that doesn't seem like what you've kind of described to me yeah. so far that the alt-right would like that? I guess you, if you believe something, you can see it in anything. True. Yeah, you're going to find parallels in whatever world you're in. And now that it has ended, people 
hate the ending. Oh. So much so that the creator has just apologized. He's like, I'm so sorry for what, what's happened here. And everyone is just has demonized him. Like, you are a bad person. And, but the ending, again, I'm not going to give anything away, just reiterates the themes that I saw the whole way through. So I didn't find it surprising, but people huh. are very upset about it. So much so that they re-released the last book with an extra eight pages to kind of add something to it. Oh, to like pacify people? Kind of. But then everyone's like, no, we hate it more now because he doubled down on those things, oh. which I thought were were in line with the things I just talked about. Right. So I, I thought it was a pretty fitting end and huh. it made sense to me. But I guess if you're only looking for like, I want twist, 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 and then a nice wrap up where everyone's happy. Yeah, you're probably not going to like it. Or if you are a alt-right person, you'd be like, hey, wait a minute. I thought this guy was the hero, and I don't think those people are the heroes, so it didn't upset me when they oh. don't win. So I guess, is it something where everyone can kind of find a hero somewhere? I guess so. Or maybe the realization is that there are no heroes. Oh. And people don't like that either. But either way, I don't know if this is selling anybody who hasn't already read it, <laughs> but I think it is uh, fun. You know what I think it is good for? I had never um, kind of gone into that world of anime and manga. It's just not something I grew up with or am very familiar with. So it is a daunting world to get into. So oh, if bet. you want to, just read it. Don't talk to anyone about <laughs> it because... Like many things, like me and hockey in Edmonton, fans ruin it for you. Just mm -hmm. enjoy the thing you enjoy. Right. And if those themes that I talked about are fun, plus you like the the fantasy world of this, it's kind of looks like a 19th century Japan and England mashed together and the technology is like back a bunch of decades but then there are monsters and people with swords. Oh. If you like that stuff, maybe you'll like it for that. So hmm. there's there's different levels for everyone. I think, though, what I loved is that it is this one man's singular vision who wrote everything, drew everything, gave so much of his life into this big epic plot. And it goes to some very unexpected and I think interesting places. And it has a lot of those things that I talked about that I think are um, well explored in this. And also, I've never seen the show because I wanted to read everything first. Right. So now I get to get caught up on that. And there is one more season coming out soon. So I'm going to wait and I'm going to watch all of that. So we'll see if that holds up too. <laughs> In a nice little canon. Or not canon, vacuum. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I won't talk to anyone about it. Because we know they're all terrible. Mostly. <laughs> so uh, check out Attack on Titan if you're into it. Or not. It's a big commitment. I know that. It is a big commitment. <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe I'll like read it too. Mm, I think I'm too far behind. You can read the first book and be like, oh, that was interesting. And then I'll tell you where it goes after that. And you're like, oh, that's not what I expected. Yeah. I'll do that. And let's hear from our second sponsor of the show. In a world where boring dinners and ungrateful children make cooking almost unbearable. 
whoa, that's a little too dramatic. Let's try this again. I'm Heather Dyer. I'm Erin Wager. And I'm Sarah Somersunderum. This is Three Kitchens, a podcast about home cooking. Whether you like cooking or you just like eating, join us to talk about food. We'll have new episodes of Three Kitchens every Tuesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Three Kitchens. They'll tickle your funny bone, whet your appetite, and warm your heart. Did that guy think he was Bruce Wayne? (laughs) I kind of liked it, actually. He made us sound super badass. (laughs) All right, Sam, it is your pick this week. What are we going to be watching for next week's Big Watch Deep Dive? Uh, So we are going to be watching one of my favorite movies of 2022, and that was Where the Crawdads Sing. It's a mystery thriller drama, and it's based on the 2018 novel of the same name, and um, it gained a lot of traction when Reese Witherspoon picked it up for her book club, the book, and then she um, produced the movie as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So since you did mention it a a week ago, and we've taken some time off over the holidays, in that time, I've mostly read the book. Really? Yeah, I'm not done yet. I think I'm about two thirds to three quarters of the way through. So I'll probably be done the book by the time we watch the movie. Oh, that'll be fun. So I might have some insight into that. But as we always do on this, the movie stands alone. Yes. That's what we are going to be talking about. And I only saw the movie. I never read the book. Mm -hmm. So I'm uh, interested to hear a little bit about the book. Um, But uh, this movie definitely stands by itself and is very, very good. And the book, wildly popular. The movie... It came and went without me knowing. But then again, I don't always know about modern stuff. Do you know if it was well-received as well? I assume so. I think it received some mixed reviews. But people who really liked the book, I think, like the movie. Okay. It grossed $140 million. So that's a lot of people want to see it, at least. Yeah. uh, For a movie that I saw on streaming. Um, But... It uh, had a $24 million budget. And I just think this movie is like really beautiful the way they've shot it. It's shot in North Carolina in their marshland. And so there's a lot of like scenery and um, there's a lot of just like noise that comes from the marsh. I won't say much about the book, but one thing that I was very curious about is is to see this movie oh, it's... because from the descriptions in the book it definitely seems like it would be a fun movie to watch mm-hmm. in like the very literal sense i want to see this on yeah. the screen i want to go to these places and when i saw it um because i watched it without you i um was like oh andy's gonna love the like cinematography of this oh interesting <laughs> so so yeah and um I'm excited to hear what you think about it. So for people who are unfamiliar with it altogether, can you give us a quick little pitch on the plot of this movie? Of course, without giving away the the end. Yes. So there is a girl. Um, her name is Kaya. Um, the movie kind of starts with her being accused of murder. And um, she is kind of an outsider in the town as her family kind of abandoned her in their family home um, way outside of the city in the marshlands, basically. And so she um, kind of raises herself and becomes 
kind of a weirdo in the town's eyes. And uh, you kind of see her whole life story um, unfold. And then you find out um, a little bit more about kind of what happened to uh, bring her to where the movie starts with being accused of murder. And it does jump back and forth in time yes. as well? Yeah. Okay, So cool. you really get to see her life and um, you get to see her grow up and kind of learn how to trust people and how she kind of interacts with the world while still being very, very isolated out in the marshland. So lots of selling points. You got Lonely Outsider. Yeah. Those are good movies. You have Murder Mystery. <laughs> yeah. And dare I say love move story as well? Possibly I, love triangle? Possibly. Yeah. So um, it's it's got everything. It's got movie. everything. <laughs> everything you could ever want. Um, it is 125 minutes. Um, I didn't find it long. I think it was really... Uh, like it flowed nicely it's a little bit of a slower movie than what i usually pick um which you also said was a selling feature to me correct? yes (laughs) and um i think you should watch it well i will because we're (laughs) gonna talk about it next week yay and how can people watch this movie uh so this movie is on prime video um, if you have Amazon Prime Video, and then uh, I believe it's still available to like rent most places. And like always, check your local public library. Yes. So, um, join us next week when we talk about where the crawdads sing. The movie. The movie. And maybe a tiny bit of the book. Okay, we'll see you next week, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.